This is BoroughCast from Scarborough Borough Council. Hello and thanks for streaming or downloading this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is BoroughCast with Gabrielle Janzio and Andy Carter. Welcome. We've survived Christmas. Brussels sprouts are off the agenda for 12 months and 2023 has arrived with a wintry blast. It's quite possible you've set yourself some New Year's resolutions. If that's the case, then we hope they are going well and you are sticking to them. I'm sorry to say my dry January hasn't lasted. What about you, Gabrielle? I don't tend to do dry January because I suppose I'm quite good. I don't actually drink that much anyway. Um, But as I say, resolutions, trying to get into more exercise. um, Took us a little while to get into it, but this week seems to be going quite well so far. Excellent news. Well, you're here today as well to jointly present with me and tell us what we're covering in this month's uh, podcast. Yes, disappointment, unfortunately, as Scarborough misses out on £20 million from the government's levelling up fund. We'll bring you the reaction of the leader of the council to that news. We also set the record straight on goal-proofing measures on Sparbridge. We speak to the councillor who's been leading an inquiry into the impact of the cost of living crisis on families in our borough. And our sounds of the borough this time comes from near Whitby. And we reflect on the New Year's Eve arrival of a rather heavyweight visitor to Scarborough. That's January's Boroughcast from Scarborough Borough Council. But first, the new year has started with some disappointing news for us. Our £20 million bid to the government's levelling up fund for Scarborough has been rejected, despite the fact the town was in the priority one category for assistance. The classification wasn't ours either. Scarborough was given that status after an assessment by government officials. We wanted the money to support the transformative station gateway and Fab Lab Plus projects. Our bid was high quality. We met the match funding requirements and had proof that both projects were deliverable. Here's what the leader of the council, Steve Siddons, had to say about the failed bid while speaking on our sister podcast, In Conversation With. We put a lot of work in, and when I say we, I mean officers of this council, put a lot of work in pulling a scheme together that met all the criteria that the government were asking for. And we were given indications by civil servants that we had a very strong case. And it was part of a wider project, which included the town's fund. And we've put a lot of that money into the same projects. So it was to, it was essentially to finish those projects off. But the government, uh, in their wisdom, uh, seemed to have used levelling up as a political football once again. And... Um, and given the money to areas that they consider to be most advantageous to them. It, it was made worse in a way because I, I met with uh, Dahina Davison, who was the levelling up minister, uh, on the day that they made the decisions. And she said to me, oh, we've made the decisions today and, uh, and the good news will be coming out shortly, uh, which any reasonable person would think, oh, you know, we're in with a pretty good chance here. Uh, But she managed to keep a very straight face when she said that because at the same time she was signing letters off to say you hadn't got the money. So um, that, that was quite annoying, really. That was Councillor Steve Siddons. You can hear the full interview with Steve and his reaction by listening to the In Conversation With podcast. There's a link to that in the show notes. 
When the news was announced, we were asked why we didn't bid to the levelling up fund to benefit Whitby or Filey. The answer is simple. Scarborough was the only priority one area on the list of locations in our borough. Of course, that doesn't mean there won't be a bid to the next round of the levelling up fund for projects or locations not in Scarborough. Of course, with just 10 weeks to go before we are scrapped as your local council, any future bid decisions will be for the new North Yorkshire Council to make. You're listening to Boroughcast. It's a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. And the irony with what we've just been telling you about is that the minister in charge of the levelling up fund was only in Whitby and Scarborough this month, January. Dehena Davison MP was here to see for herself some of the transformative projects we're working on as part of the Towns Fund initiative. We've mentioned these in our podcasts before that we're investing more than £38 million in Whitby and Scarborough. In Whitby, the minister met the team have been working to improve the facilities at Eastside Community Centre and a new boxing club. She toured it, the building, and was shown how the existing community centre is being enhanced through a Towns Deal programme project. Ms Davison then visited the Old Town Hall and Marketplace to view the plans to restore the building and improve facilities for market stall holders. While in Scarborough, she met staff and trainees at the Construction Skills Village in Eastfield before formally opening a new teaching building. There was even time to demonstrate her skills on a digger driving simulator. She also spent time at West Pier to see for herself how the site would be transformed through a multi-million pound investment. Graham Ratcliffe is a managing director at the Construction Skills Village and he spoke to Andy on the day of the minister's visit. We've been here today because we're embarking on the green skills agenda. We're looking at developing new areas of training to support the government's drive to become carbon neutral. And Minister Davison has been here, part of a levelling up, to come and support us and see what the funds have done. I was only in the margins, but it looked like she was actually genuinely interested in what what goes on here and, and how successful this has been. Yeah, very interested. I think what a key thing that came across from the minister is that she's pleased to see the funds being used really well to support local skills, local growth, local agendas, uh, which is key to drive the local economy. Did she have anything that she was particularly interested in? I mean, you, there's, there's a lot that goes on here. Was she majoring on one thing? No, she wasn't majoring on one thing. I think what she was really keen to see that small, medium employers have been involved in the development. It's not just large developers. Apprentices have been involved in the development. They're learning skills while they're getting practical opportunities. And I think it's... She can see the future, what can be achieved. She knows the construction industry has got a major skill shortage. She knows what we're trying to do to change it. She knows the government drive is about climate change and reducing carbon emissions. She can see what we're trying to do. And I think, yeah, overall, great support of what we're trying to to achieve here. One of the things you were talking about is about the move now for you here to do more around the sort of green agenda in terms of uh, solar energy installs, moving to heat pumps, that kind of stuff. So you're continually redeveloping what you're doing, aren't you? Absolutely. We don't stand still. The construction industry doesn't stand still. We can't stand still. So, yeah, we're going to start doing uh, solar panel installation and maintenance from late spring, early summer. We're also looking at air source heat pumps maintenance and insulation from late summer Uh, we're looking at dry lining and we're also looking at retrofit courses we want to give the local people as much opportunity as possible to develop their skills to develop their knowledge so 
contractors don't come from farther afield and take the work from them. What difference has the involvement of the Towns Deals Fund been for you? It's just taken us to another level. The Towns Deal Funding provided us half a million pounds to develop a, the old farm here at Eastfield. People can see walking around. We, it's taken the Skills Village just one step closer to becoming more sustainable, more creative and supporting the local town become more self-reliant with local tradespeople and apprentices. You were talking at one point about how proud you are about Scarborough, punching above its weight and that kind of stuff. You genuinely think that? Listen, I think Scarborough's fantastic. I came here as a child on holiday, almost 40 years ago. I've got really strong links with Scarborough. I love Scarborough. I love the people of Scarborough. We do punch above our weight. It's like any small, medium company. Any Scarborough's that we've not got the funds to do great things but what we do with the funds is achieve great things because the people of Scarborough want to do it they're passionate about it the local people really want to see great things it's a great town for people to come and visit and I think that is something that enthusiasm and that passion cannot be bottled and finally sum it up for me in terms of how the journey's been today the ribbon was officially cut by the minister how does it feel to be at that point where the the, the scissors go and the, the ribbon snipped well i think i think i said in my speech in 2015 we got some people around a table we said build it and they will come we've built it and we've continually built it and they continue to come and come today like i say we've cut the ribbon we're going into new arena new agenda green skills it's a, the, the, the future is looking bright. Fantastic, Graham. Thank you so much indeed for your time. Thank you very much indeed. Next, there was a lot of wildlife chatter at the end of last year and the beginning of this month because of the issue of Kitty Wakes and Spa Bridge in Scarborough. Social media was awash with criticism over a decision to use anti-goal measures on the Grade 2 listed structure. And we seem to be in the firing line for this. So we'd like to set the record straight on this sensitive issue with three quick facts. We don't own, maintain, nor have any responsibility for Spa Bridge. It is North Yorkshire County Council's property, and it was the County Council alone that took the decision to install anti-goal measures. It published a statement on its website on the 4th of January to explain the situation, and we asked our voiceover man to read it out. The work on the Spa footbridge in Scarborough came in response to concerns raised locally about the environmental impact of birds nesting and roosting on the bridge and the damage their excrement was causing to the iconic bridge, which is a listed structure. Before beginning the work, we commissioned an independent habitat regulations assessment, as we are rightly required to do, and consulted Natural England. The assessment concluded that recent population decline in local colonies and across the UK was likely the result of a decline in foraging resources, primarily sand eels, and not the lack of potential breeding sites. The availability of numerous colonies in the wider area suggests that birds displaced from Sparbridge could find alternative nesting sites nearby. Filey Coast Special Protection Area which is about five kilometres southeast of Sparbridge, is designated for supporting breeding kittiwake with a sighted population of 44,520 pairs. The work was scheduled to avoid a time when birds would be present on the bridge. 
It involved cleaning off old nest material and excrement, treating with disinfectant, and placing small pots of optical gel on the ledges. The same treatment has previously been used elsewhere in Scarborough. The optical gel provides a visual deterrent designed to prevent birds from nesting there when they return from sea at the start of the next breeding season. The gel is not harmful to birds. This method was chosen over netting or electrical deterrents as netting risked entangling birds as well as being unsightly. We will monitor the impact of the work. Thank you, voiceover man. And just to make that clear, that statement issued by North Yorkshire County Council was in the name of Carl Battersby, one of the organisation's senior directors. Uh, In summary on this issue, and to make our position clear, we were not involved in the proofing works, nor were we given prior notice that it was going ahead. We were not invited to provide any expert input apart from historical advice our former ecology officer offered on the use of fire gel as opposed to spikes or netting, Our planning team had previously indicated that gel was the most acceptable option merely from a planning perspective given the listed status of the bridge. You're listening to Boracast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council with Gabrielle Janzio and Andy Carter. We might have started a new year, but the cost of living crisis continues to have a significant impact on many households across our borough. If you're struggling or know someone who is, here is some information which we hope will be of use to you. And we've put links to all of these sources of help in the podcast show notes. The government has updated the cost of living support page on its website for advice relating to income, bills, childcare, housing costs and if you own or you run a business. You can also use its financial support tool to find out what help you might be entitled to. Locally, there are several schemes and organisations in North Yorkshire which can help. The North Yorkshire Local Assistance Fund, which provides emergency financial support if you or someone you know is unable to meet essential living costs. Meanwhile, our local council tax reduction and support scheme can help if you are on a low income or claiming benefits. The team at Citizens Advice for North Yorkshire can also be contacted for information and help. If you are a regular listener, you'll know we spoke to them last month. We've also previously reported that a group of cross-political councillors have been investigating the impact of the crisis on families in our borough. The committee's final report was presented to a meeting of our Cabinet earlier this month. Councillor David Jeffels led the working party which carried out the inquiry. He's been speaking to me. It started when we had a members seminar at the uh, Coventry University campus uh, in in Scarborough and a number of members from uh, all the political parties uh, took part uh, in it. And uh, we had an expert uh, on uh, finance there and he knew North Yorkshire well. And I think he shocked everyone by telling us that Scarborough Borough had the highest rate of poverty anywhere in North Yorkshire, running at 85%, which was quite a stunning figure for us. And he said that even though the council was uh, in its last few months, he felt that we had an opportunity to to help many families uh, by highlighting to them the many uh, benefits and entitlements that there are available, which they could uh, 
access and which would help their their finances and make all the difference between whether they ate uh, a meal or, or uh, heated their home. So in terms of how you went about this, who was involved from a, from a member point of view um, and what were the sort of conclusions and recommendations that, that came out of your work? What we did was we spent a full day uh, talking to people from a number of organisations such as Citizen Advice Bureau, the Two Ridings uh, and the Disablement Action Group, the Rainbow Centre and a lot of charities and put together a report that went to Cabinet uh, and in that report we uh, asked for support uh, from members as a whole uh, to access the uh, fund that was set up by, uh, by the Borough Council for warm and welcome grants and to encourage members to seek money from those grants um, to help many charity organisations such as village halls, community centres uh, and food banks um, and it was amazing actually what support there was. There was enthusiasm from members right across uh, the council um, and there's been a lot of support, appreciated for support uh, from many organisations within the, within the borough. How much they valued getting four or five hundred pound um, to help them with the running costs, heating costs, cooking costs um, and that has spilled over into uh, so many people, um, particularly the older generation but not entirely the older generation, um, people getting help um, and I think we have played our part um, quite significantly uh, in helping many families in the borough. That was Councillor David Jeffels on the work on the cost of living crisis. You're listening to BorougHCast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Let's take a short break from news now to bring you the part of this podcast which you can contribute to. In fact, it rather relies on your input. We call it Sounds of the Borough. If you're familiar with the principle of slow radio or you listen to Paddy O'Connell on Radio 4 on a regular basis, you'll know what's coming next. Our borough, we think at least, is visually stunning, but it's also audibly interesting too. And in this episode, we're featuring water. The recording you're about to hear was made by Richard, who says he was visiting the borough from the other side of North Yorkshire for the weekend. Yes, we let him cross the border. As well as taking in the coastal path and birdwatching observatory at Long Nab, he also took to Whitby and Maybeck, where he captured the sounds of falling foss waterfall. That was Falling Foss Waterfall as recorded by our correspondent Richard from North Allerton. And Richard, thank you for submitting your recording. If you'd like to submit your own Sound of the Borough, please send it to podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. You're listening to BoroughCast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council.
Some news in brief now, and here's a way you can avoid a pesky trip to the tip in 2023. That's because we have opened this year's subscription to our popular annual garden waste service. If you are a previous subscriber and we have your email address, we're in the process of getting in touch with information about how you can resubscribe. The fortnightly collections will start on the 27th of February and run through to the beginning of December, but your exact collection dates will vary depending on your collection calendar. This year's pricing for the Garden Waste Collection Service is slightly different because of the imminent change to local government in North Yorkshire. The cost is £43.50, but if you sign up before the 1st of April, you can take advantage of a discounted price of £38 therefore saving £5.50. You can renew or join for the first time from the Garden Waste page on our website. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Senior councillors have approved a spend of £1.4 million and the choice of a contractor for work on the concrete seawall at Robin Hood's Bay. We are investing a total of £1.7 million in the scheme. We're using £950,000 from our own funds, along with money from the Environment Agency, Filingdale's Parish Council and the Yorkshire Regional Flood and Coastal Committee. Bam Nuttall has been chosen to carry out the main works. The repairs are actually required to ensure the life of the wall is extended as long as possible. Its current age and constant exposure to the elements means corrosion and cracking of the concrete is a particular problem. Meanwhile, we're investing another £700,000 in the Cinder Track, the former railway line between Whitby and Scarborough. We've secured the grant through our existing partnership with Sustrans and the money will allow us to restore two and a half kilometres of the track between Burniston and Cloughton. We want to ensure the route is usable in all conditions, improve access to the track and make it suitable for a wide range of users. The improvements will be sympathetic to the track's rural surroundings and consider heritage, biodiversity and appearance. The main scheme is due to start in the autumn after ecological preparation work has taken place. Now, unless you are hiding somewhere with no internet or phone signal, you can't have failed to notice that we welcomed a very heavyweight visitor to Scarborough on New Year's Eve. Thor, the Arctic walrus, was spotted on the harbour slipway in the early hours of the morning, seemingly taking a break from his swim home. He'd been seen a few weeks before near Southampton, and after his stopover in Arborough, he turned up further north in Blythe. Thor's decision to see New Year in Scarborough created a lot of interest and there was widespread media coverage after our decision to cancel a firework display so that he wouldn't be disturbed. We made that call based on advice from experts because of concerns that noise from the display would disturb the mammal. There was much praise for our decision to call off the fireworks from around the world, although we know that many people were disappointed the display didn't go ahead. The media, which always loves a good yarn, reported that Thor's arrival meant the fireworks were called off, creating amusing headlines around the globe. We had spokespeople doing interviews with news outlets as far afield as Australia and Canada, and it's fair to say our social media channels were buzzing. We've appointed our colleague Carl Gavigan as Walrus News Correspondent, and he's with us now in the podcast booth. Hi, Gabrielle. So you've been checking the social media stats and some of the coverage about Thor. Um, what have you found? 
Well, Thor's visit to Scarborough was very big news. Um, we had stories appearing on websites, television, newspapers and radio in countries across the world, including Germany, the USA, Canada, France, Spain, Italy, Holland, Japan, Australia and New Zealand. It was carried in all major UK newspapers and news channels um, and the visit our Tusk friend saw reports carried on the BBC, ITV, Sky News and Channel 4. So he really went global, didn't he? Yeah, uh, on New Year's Eve, so one of the biggest nights of the year, it was a top five trending topic on Twitter in the UK. Um, and one video of Thor in the harbour now has more than four million views across TikTok and YouTube. Yeah, that's great stats. I'm sure our tourism colleagues will love those. Thor even now has his own Wikipedia page, um, such as his <laughs> popularity. Um, but it, it, was, it was great coverage for the council. It got us money can't buy exposure around the world and really showed off the town. It was fantastic. I have a question, if I may. How does this compare to other stuff when we're trying to do our own promotion, our own PR, talk about the things we're doing as a borough council? I guess all of this eclipses what we might normally achieve. Absolutely. Um, you never know what's going to go viral and get you this kind of coverage. You could plan for years to try and get the perfect campaign, but um, seems like nothing can beat a walrus just rolling up for a bit of a rest on your harbour. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Gabrielle. As we said earlier, Thor's visit to our borough created a lot of media interest and the story was picked up lots of times, including on BBC Radio 4's News Quiz. Let's take a listen. New Year's Eve in London, you had a, a firework display that they spent millions on. Uh, and in Yorkshire, we had a, a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> and no fireworks. Uh, Scarborough Council cancelled the firework display because the walrus was there. But imagine if that was the only reason the walrus had turned up. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of them looking at the budget and going, go get the walrus. <laughs> well, Thor also caught the imagination of a group of children at Seascale Primary School in Cumbria who wrote to us to say thanks for cancelling the fireworks. The year three youngsters from Alder class and their teacher, Mrs Thompson, also sent us some amazing drawings of Thor. And now I know, Gabrielle, you've seen some of these pictures, but let's just um, read one of them for you. This is from Aubrey. Dear Scarborough Council, thank you for cancelling the fireworks. It's wonderful. I love the name Thor. I hope he's OK. I hope he will get to his family soon. I'll be excited to know if he gets home. Here's another one which I, I quite liked. Dear Scarborough Council, thank you for cancelling the fireworks. I hope Thor is very happy in the water. P.S. I like the name Thor. That's from Maddie. And there's one here, I think I'm just going to find it. It says, oh yes, here he goes. This is um, uh, from Matilda. It says, you are very kind to have cancelled the fireworks for keeping Thor happy. I hope he goes home to Greenland. P.S. I like the name Thor. That's fantastic. And the pictures that the children did are great, aren't they? They certainly are. Well, I'm delighted to say that the children and their teacher, Mrs Thompson, Penny, are on the line now so we can speak to them. So, hello, Alder class, and welcome to our podcast. Say hello, Chanty. Hi. Hello. How are you all today? Good. Um, Mrs Thompson, do you mind starting by just explaining to our listeners how the children came to learn about Thor? Because I understand you were looking as a class about New Year celebrations. Is that right? We were. It was our first day back after the Christmas holidays and we were looking at 
the New Year celebration and how that midnight marked the start of the New Year. So we were talking about our dreams and goals for the New Year, looking at how the children had celebrated at home with their families, asking who'd stayed up till midnight, who'd watched any fireworks. And then we watched the BBC fireworks from London. Some of the children told me that they were they loved the, the, the sight of the fireworks, but they didn't like the sound of the fireworks. And coincidentally, I just read a story about someone else who didn't like who were worried about the sound of fireworks, which was the Thor walrus who had been found at Scarborough. So I introduced the children to the story and they were captivated by it. I thought as a class they would want to write a story about Thor's journey going back to, to Iceland and Greenland. That's where we thought, isn't it, guys? Um, but the children instead were so pleased that you considered the the, the needs of the, the walrus and cancelled your fireworks, even though it was a once, in, once a year opportunity to have tourists in your town. They were very impressed and they decided to write you a letter of thanks, which is what you received. Why, why was it, did you feel it was the right decision for us to call off the fireworks and really look after Thor while he was with us? So he wouldn't get scared. We've got your letters here. What prompted you to uh, draw us your pictures? And maybe some of some of the children, uh, Mrs. Thompson, could explain what, what we could see in the pictures for the benefit of our listeners who can't, obviously can't see them. Um, because he'll be with his family. So, Matilda, just tell us what we can see in your picture. We've got, a, uh, we've got obviously, the sea and, and Thor in the sea. Just, just tell us a little bit about your picture. Thor with his family swimming. Who else have we got? So, Aubrey, you've got an amazing picture here of Thor. It looks like he's on some kind of ice glacier. Is that what you were doing with your picture here? Yeah. And what's he doing? Because uh, tell our listeners, there's Thor, but you've also drawn a picture of what else is in your picture? His family. His family. And did you think it was important that Thor was able to have a rest in Scarborough and then make his way home to see his family? Yes. Excellent. Okay, who else have we got here? I was really impressed by one of these pictures here. It looks like Thor. This must be Aiden. Aiden, your picture looks like Thor having a really nice time in the sea. Is that where you think he, he would have the best fun? Because they like to swim. Now, I'm really interested about why you decided to write to us. What what was the uh, the inspiration for those letters? I don't know whether, Mrs Thompson, you want to prompt the children on that. Well, we haven't written a letter before, and... We realised that um, actually to say thank you to someone is really hard when you can't see them. And we wanted to, well, I think the children thought it was very considerate act. And we didn't know a, a single person had made that decision, but now you've explained it was the council. We didn't know the name of anyone in your council. So we decided we would hope it would get to, to the right person if we sent it to Scarborough Council. But the sending the letter was really important. It was finding the address of, of somewhere, finding out where Scarborough was. We have a big wall map in school, so we'd already looked at that to see the, the route that um, Thor needed to take to get back to his home and how many stop-offs he could possibly have between Scarborough and Greenland. And then we found out where Scarborough was and we realised it was the opposite side of the country from where we are in Cumbria. And actually, it's probably unlikely that Thor was going to come to visit us because he had a big open sea between Scarborough and Greenland, Greenland to find his way home from. There's lots of different factors there, but geography was probably the most important thing to find out where Scarborough was.
I have to say, Mrs. Thompson and children, um, you have such neat and beautiful handwriting. It puts me to shame. Uh, I think uh, you, you've done some amazing words and your pictures are absolutely brilliant. So we're really very grateful for you, for you writing and spending time doing that. And just to quickly mention them by name, the amazing children of Seascale Primary are Ralph, Matilda, Maddie, Aidan, Parker, Caleb, Aubrey and Matilda. And of course, their class teacher, Mrs Thompson, Penny. Scientists and experts aren't too sure why Thor was so far south, but it is generally accepted that the walrus population is sadly being affected by climate change. If you fancy doing your bit to support Thor and his mates, you should take a look at the World Wildlife Fund's Walrus Fund Space Project, which is looking for volunteers. There's a link to the site in the show notes. Before we go this month, we need to tell you about changes which are on the way. You may be aware from this podcast or perhaps you're a reader of our Residence News newsletter that we, Scarborough Borough Council, will not exist in less than three months' time. We, along with the other six district and borough authorities and the county council, are all being scrapped to be replaced by a single unitary organisation for North Yorkshire. In practice, though, the new council is actually the county which will assume responsibility for all local local public services in our borough, ranging from bins to housing all the way to social care. The new Unitary Authority will be called North Yorkshire Council and it will formally take over on the 1st of April. On a day-to-day basis, it is unlikely you will notice much difference. The same people who provide the services you value and appreciate now will continue to do so. But over time, our logo and brand will disappear and our people will carry new ID cards and wear new North Yorkshire Council uniforms. The way you contact us won't be any different, but the Unitary Council will be promoting a new single telephone number from day one. While the people setting up the new arrangements have pledged to ensure the transition from us to the new organisation will be as smooth as possible. As we approach the change of a date, we'll keep you updated with developments and stuff you need to know. The reasons for this change to the structure of local government is linked to a devolution deal for North Yorkshire and the City of York, as well as the transfer of some powers away from Whitehall. The government had said any deal would be on the proviso of reorganisation with a subsequent reduction in the number of councils in the county and York. The seven district and borough councils put forward a proposal to create two organisations split roughly either side of the A1M motorway given the geographical size of North Yorkshire and let's be honest it's massive. However the government preferred the county council alternative plan for a single unitary for North Yorkshire which will see the city of York left as it is now and the decision was formalised in 2021. That's it for this edition of BorougherCast. Before we go, here's a reminder that the next episode of this podcast will be published towards the end of February. You shouldn't miss it if you listen to us via your preferred podcast hosting service. Follow us or subscribe and be notified when we post new content. Thanks for listening. From Andy. Goodbye. And from me, Gabrielle. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk. Listener.